Hey there, Hit Like a Girl Pod listeners. We've got some exciting news that's too good to keep to ourselves. You all know Grace Minton, whose stories have captivated us over the past couple years. Well, Grace has been doing such an amazing job with her show, High Tea with Grace, that it's time for her to shine even brighter. Yes, you heard that right. High Tea with Grace has graduated to its own show with its own brand new RSS feed. While we've loved sharing Grace's episodes as special bonuses on the Hit Like a Girl pod, it's now time to give Grace the spotlight she deserves. So what does that mean for you? To continue enjoying the compelling stories and insights from Grace, head over to your favorite podcast platform and hit that subscribe button for High Tea with Grace. Trust us, you don't want to miss out on what she has in store. Her latest series is dedicated to understanding the VC funding world, aka Fund Like a Girl. Thank you for supporting us, and let's show some love for Grace on her exciting new journey. Remember, search for High Tea with Grace and subscribe today. Welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Joy Rios. And on this show, we talk about basically how complicated healthcare can be. I call it a 30,000 piece puzzle because it is so freaking complicated. And every one of our guests brings on an area of their expertise. And so the idea being we get to just share what we know so that other people can learn from and make sense of the big picture. So if you wouldn't mind taking a moment to introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about the piece of the puzzle that you hold. Sure. I'm Janine Letford. I'm an educator by trade. I'm just so excited to be here at the Women in Medicine Summit. And I hold an interesting piece because I'm coming in from the outside. So I'm not in medicine. This isn't my, my chosen field, but I'm bringing in the topic of creativity, innovation, and something new called intercultural creativity. So how can healthcare workers and just practitioners really look at the prismatic abilities and gifts of their team, of their patients, and create for a better tomorrow. I love all of that. Just because we do need to be creative in this. We're creative problem solving, which is what we need to do. We've got some major problems. So how does this work? And how did you get into it? Can you tell us a little bit about like the history of what you do? Sure. Because I'm an educator, I get a chance to look at the entire pipe pipeline. So I worked with elementary ed and then started a nonprofit called Alumni 360. So that was sixth grade through 12th grade. I taught at the university level for teachers getting their master's as well. And now I do a lot of corporate training and health healthcare training. I just did a training at Boston Medical Center. So I get to see everyone basically from zero to 99 and really just looking at the lower amount of creative thinking. A lot of it coming from the school system because we just lower curiosity and creativity just the way it was built. And then we're sending in all these adults into the health healthcare fields who need to, like you said, answer these big questions. And so I left the classroom in 2019. I didn't know there was a pandemic around the corner, but (laughs) And I just started doing the the research. And so I saw the overlap. So cultural competence is people's ability to work with different types of people, to be aware of differences in culture, not necessarily just ethnic culture and national culture, but culture, just groups of of people who have the, the agreed upon beliefs and attitudes. And I looked at what cognitive skills are need for cultural development, but also what cognitive skills are need for creative development. And they overlapped. So I was like, okay, well, I can 
teach one or the other, but I can teach them both because they affect one another. And so I'm doing the keynote, the closing keynote here today, and we'll be looking at how people who are actually highly creative have been working on their cultural competency and their development as well. They are meeting people from different lived experiences. They're curious. They're open-minded. They're taking initiative to say, okay, maybe I don't know it all, right? The, the word humility has been thrown out in some of your breakouts a lot and your speeches. And we're looking at the effect of being humble. It increases your curiosity and your creativity as well. I love all of that. So I was having a conversation recently about communities. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's communities where you live in cities and there's diversity to built in. But then there's a lot of small town communities mm-hmm. where people are born and raised yeah. and they are surrounded by the same set of people potentially for their whole life. Yeah. And how do we kind of help those folks with a sense of curiosity around different cultures if they don't know any different? That's a great question. And so I think a lot of why, number one, why I'm, I'm here and why your audience probably loves my, my work, because everything's based in neuroscience. Okay. And uh, I'm a UCLA Bruin, so everything's well cited in <laughs> your research. And, and so that speaks to this crowd a lot. And what we're looking at is the neuroscience of how neural networks are, are set up based upon experiences the person has. That's the way life was living in small towns, let's say 50, 100 years ago, that was just it. But because we have so much technology now, we have to tool our kids and, and definitely adults with ways to make these connections outside of their cultural norm. Mm-hmm. Because it's affecting, we're looking at perception, right? Some new research coming out on the way my senses perceive just data is highly influenced by what's already in my brain. If your listeners want to go deeper in that, they can watch The Brain by Dr. David Eagleman. He's a neuroscientist out of Stanford. And it's a PBS special, episode five on the social brain. Amazing. So go uh, check it out. Okay, but let's get into that a little bit more. So like we in healthcare talk so much about data and it's important and it's importance and also the stories behind it. But Mm -hmm. what you're getting at is really important too, as far as regardless of what the data tells us, sometimes we're stuck. It is influenced by what we already believe. Yes. And the work of Dr. Nina Krauss out of Northwestern University, she has this beautiful thing that I now bring into my trainings that I I did at Boston Medical and and I'm in every field. I've, I just got flew in from a keynote in tech and then education. And then now I'm here the same week, but by the wow. way. And she looked at how the brain is looking for what it's already expecting to see. So let's say I'm biased against people with like blue eyes and I, I think they may not perform well. If I meet someone with blue eyes, my brain is expecting to see low performance from this particular person because I'm coming into it without it. So this is so important for leaders because the work coming from Carol Dweck, growth mindset, fixed mindset, the mindset of the leader impacts the success of the student or team member. So if leaders are going in with assumptions that they haven't really checked, childhood experiences, formative years experiences they haven't really reflected upon, it's impacting the way that they are leading their constituents. So thinking about leaders and the necessary, the necessity to be self-aware. Yes, like They yes, absolutely yes. need mm-hmm. to have some reflection and be mm-hmm. thinking about how am I leading this team? Are mm-hmm. there resources that you would recommend for people mm-hmm. who are in a position that want to do better and maybe don't know where to start? Sure. Well, besides my own book, I'm yeah. like... <laughs> <laughs> the seven gems of intercultural creativity. Our logo's the diamond. Okay. And so 
I'm a metaphorical teacher, so shine bright like a diamond, you're multifaceted, how diamonds come to be. There's yeah. so many lessons you can learn from the diamond. Well, so <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. And there's a song <laughs> about that too. But we, I have this image that I show and it's the diversity diamond. So on all the facets, there are different facets of diversity. So yeah, so your, your gender, ethnicity, things like that, but also your birth order at one of the healthcare institutions that I did a training at, somebody, somebody looked at that and, and he was of Asian descent. And he's like, yeah, in where, I, where I grew up, birth orders, everything. And he was the youngest wow. and it affected the way, you know, he's well out, out of that situation. He's grown and leading people, but he has some issues with his leadership because of the formative years. And so, yes, that self-awareness is huge. Looking at the diversity diamond or looking at there's different other graphs out there that they can use. And just having a lot of self-reflective, like we call it default mode network time for those of people who, who know the brain, right? Uh, turning on that default mode network, which means you're just mind wandering. You're just kind of in, internally just reviewing this. It's key, especially for this new future of work where AI and, and automation and, and all of the technology is doing that hard, doing that, eat those things that yeah. can be done. We need to do the deeper work. So that's a really interesting conversation around AI and new technology because I keep thinking like how crazy is it that AI gets to be the one to write poetry and do <laughs> artwork <laughs> and like how do we build in like how do we keep the creativity yeah. for the humans too like yeah. I don't want to outsource that to AI <laughs> <laughs> and yeah that's yeah, so first of all I say Aristotle said the beginning of wisdom is the definition of all terms so we, we do define creativity, because I know there's some people out there who think creativity is only artistry. Mm -hmm. So, but you already use the term problem solving. And so that's what we do. Problem finding, you're right. Highly creative people are, are not just waiting for issues to come to them. They're out there like, well, why is it this way? Why can't we do it this way? They're very curious and they're hopefully in a psychologically safe place where they can speak up, right? Those two impact one another. But yes, AI is doing a lot of artistry creativity. And I believe AI should put us in a position to go either further and deeper. So they're not, they're not taking our, our place. They should help us look at things from other perspectives and just to be a larger springboard, a higher springboard to jump off. But our brain is the most beautiful thing, I believe. Brain and our mind together. They are two different things, but they're very much connected. And earlier this morning, you had a practitioner do lead a wellness type of like yoga stretch, stretching time and the somatic. Our work is also called neurosomatic creativity. How does our brain and mind and our body affect our creative thinking and the way we perceive the creativity of other people? It's all connected. And so I hope AI will help us do better and not replace. Can you help me and our listeners better understand the difference between the brain and the mind? Sure. Well, the brain is, it's an empirical object. It's there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you can see it. You can hold it. You can toss it up. And it's beautiful. But to the mind to me, and I believe the thought leaders and the scientists are still out. The jury's still out on the clear definition of the mind. So this is what I believe. Okay. And so I just want to make that disclaimer since this is a summit of disclaimers at the beginning of people's presentations. <laughs> I'm like, oh, they do that? Okay. And to me, the mind is so, it's part of the brain because the brain informs the mind. Of, and if something's going on in the brain, it does affect thinking, processing, and our ability to, to come to conclusions. But to me, the mind is all. It's the cognitive, the affective, the co-native abilities, your ability to take initiative. Mm -hmm. It is perception, but also how I interpret the perception. It's my body. 
a lot of times, like if I see a snake, my body will react before my brain actually knows what's going on. Yeah. It's me listening to my body. It's, it's the past because a lot of what happened in the past is informing how I move to the future. It's the present and the future. So the mind is in probably a lot of other things that I haven't listed because this could be an hour or two hour conversation about just what is the mind. But I, and it's the inner world. There's a quote from Rabbi John, Jonathan Sachs where he says, each human is a universe unto themselves. And I was like, yeah, that's true. And the neuroscientist just said that the neural structure of the brain is a lot like the galactic structure in outer space. Cool. You know, Yeah, yeah. So they're still debating about that. Science is always debating about stuff, something. But yeah, we're a universe within ourselves. And so for leaders to get some tools yeah. to manage 20 universes on their team, that's going to take some new skills. Well, thinking about the curiosity of every other person on your team's universe, like you don't have to go very far to be thinking about all the possibilities of or diversity of thought or perspective or experiences. And even people perhaps sitting next to each other and in the same room have completely different universes going on in their brain, mind. <laughs> it's amazing even coming here, by the way. So this has been a crazy week. And I'm very into like connections, like, okay, why is this happening? So I was booked to do a keynote for women in electronics on Wednesday Mm -hmm. in San Diego, California. And then I drove up to Newport, California to do women in educational leadership. So these are superintendents, principals, district leaders. Then I drive to Phoenix with my son, the creative kid, Sean. And then I get on a plane to come to Chicago and to do the women in medicine. So I'm like, wow, I've, and I'm the target. My target isn't necessarily women. There's some speakers who only speak to, to women. I speak to humans. But like, why is this all this week? And then on the plane, two women are flying me here. Isn't that great? I've never been on the plane with two women pi- pilots, mm. like one, one woman, one they man. announced it, right? And, well, she just spoke over the thing. I was okay. like, is that a, a woman? Because <laughs> it's not my norm, right? And the brain expects the norm. So that was huge. And then what was your question? <laughs> well, just thinking that we all have different experiences, yes. right? That like even we could be in the same room in the same time. Yes. And like yes. our <laughs> universes are totally different. Yes, I wanted to preface that because on the plane, uh, my husband and I are are in the process of uh, building a, a new home, our first home that we would uh, purchase. And I could, and I was sitting next to this older white man, just very like country looking ish, very tan. And I could have just mind my own business, read my book for two hours, but I just heard him talking to his na- neighbor, and it turns out he was a build builder. He builds houses for fun. And so for me to tap into his mind and say, okay, well, what would you tell a first home, someone who's building their first home? What should I look into? I have the wealth of his wealth of knowledge for two hours, right? Didn't really tap into it until about 30 minutes before we were about to land. And I could have lost all of that had I not reached out and made a, a connection. And so we need leaders to understand this. Your people are walking in with a wealth of ideas, new ways of looking at things, especially this new generation come, coming up. And if we put them to their job description and don't ask anything of them. So like, how, how else would, would you do this? Or what connections are you? Because creativity is all about connections, yeah. associations, right? Metaphorical thinking, imagination. And so we have to understand that leadership is going to look a lot different. When I do my trainings, I bring Legos, pipe cleaners. You might, If you're coming to the keynote, you'll see some Pipe cleaners. And that's for a reason because I have to get people out of their normal thinking. And that's why your event team, the leadership here brought me in because I'm not one of you. Mm-hmm. I'm not a healthcare worker. I'm not a doctor, um, at, at least not in medicine. I'm trying to get my doctorate in education. But this is what you need. You need someone from the, out, the outside to spur your thinking. So you go back into 
your field with a new way. Well, you're mm-hmm. having a conversation about play. Honestly, mm-hmm. my team and I were doing TikToks this morning and it was a really nice way to just start the day and with a little bit of creativity and fun and laughter and just feeling like, oh, how does that set me up differently for the space that I am taking up and how I show up in the world? And honestly, it's one that's more relaxed, mm-hmm. like probably more open to connecting with people, like one that laughs at myself a little bit, doesn't take things too seriously. And I feel like that is actually a skill that we need to get over the ego aspect of like what it is we bring to the table and like, okay, if we do need to creatively problem solve, we kind of had to get out of our own way. There's so much there. And as you're talking, I'm like, oh, the neuroscience behind it, everything's just you say, right? And so we're looking at that and it's a push in because as the speaker was just saying now in the breakout or the opening keynote, she was talking about old power and new power. And the old power doesn't play. The old power, you start a meeting, you get right to work. The old power looks at your job description, do your job description and nothing else. The new power, it's like, we're not in a linear world. We're in a non-linear world. We need to look at how things interact differently. We need to be able to be adaptable, right? There's a study coming out of Stanford where they looked at 243 companies and in the culture of the company, they found the ones with an adaptive cult culture we're rising to the top and just the bottom line financially culturized. But it's not just changing strategy. It's changing belief systems. And that's where I come in because you need to psychologically understand how are people thinking? Where is this coming from? I tell people I kind of have an edge on corporate training because I spent 15 years in elementary ed. So I spent 15 years with a, a human being in their formative structural time. Yeah. How do you help people not be defensive? Yeah. Because that's one of those things that, of course, if people have done things a certain way and over time, that, mm-hmm. that they just want to keep doing it that way. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, time to think differently. Yeah. And how do you keep people from want, not wanting to be protective of the way that things have always been? Yeah. You have great questions. Thank you so much. Because <laughs> that's a concern, right? Because yeah. you're dealing with humans. So even though we do intercultural creativity, so we do touch on inclusion and equity, but I've learned that um, sometimes when you use some of these terms like bias, they feel like, ah, she's saying I'm biased. Well, everyone is biased. It's what the brain does. It's a normal function of, of, of the brain. Mm-hmm. It, it saves energy, keeps the brain safe, quote, quote, unquote, however you define that. So instead of coming in, hey, we're doing bias training and half the group is already coming in defensive. The other half isn't listening to you because it's never worked, worked before. And that's a whole other conversation. I'm saying, hey, let's do intercultural creativity because who doesn't want to be more creative, right. right? And so that's in looking at how assumptions affect the way that I interact is key. Another thing is once we show people there's something called internal model. And if your audience watches the brain documentary on pbs.org episode five, they'll learn more about the internal model. I was like, all these people I'm like sending them to like, you owe me royalties, (laughs) right? Dr. Michael Platt's book as well. I'm like, get this book. It's great. Called The Leader's Brain. It's great. But when people understand that they have an internal model and more of what you're perceiving is more on the inside than actually what's going on out, right. out outside, it lowers defensiveness because they understand that, hey, this is how my brain works. In order to be a better leader, I have to take control and then work on some things. Mm-hmm. But it's not like just because you're in your particular demographic, you're automatically bad. And sometimes people can shoot it that way. It's something we all have. And I, I have it sometimes even with my own demographics. Right. 
it's the subconscious. Dr. David Eagleman says your subconscious is actually running the show. Your conscious brain, the part of your brain that wakes up when you wake up, is the broom closet in the mansion of your brain. Like that's how big your conscious brain is. The rest of it is subconscious. So if the leaders don't tap into what has been programmed in their subconscious, they're going to be leading without truly thinking well. So I've been become familiar with another model. I'm confident that it's not the same one, but I would love your feedback on it. And there's one that says, okay, you're going to look at your circumstances. Your circumstances are going to influence your thoughts. Your thoughts are going to influence your feelings and your feelings are going to influence the actions that you take. Now, what you might be able to have some control over your circumstances. If you like, oh, I'm in this room. You know what? I'm having weird thoughts about this. I can go into another room. But sometimes you can't change your circumstances, but you can change your thoughts. And that is a self-awareness thing Mm -hmm. where you're like, oh, look in my brain thinking this thing. I should be thinking something else that might Mm -hmm. be more helpful for me or help me have a different feeling about whatever state it is, which would then change my actions and then also my results. Does that speak to anything about what you're talking about? It's connected and you're missing one other layer, your biofeedback, your physiological reactions, right? That's at the very bottom. There's a wonderful TED talk that your people might want to hear. Go watch called Being Brilliant Every Day by Dr. Alan, Alan Watkins. And he basically runs down what you, you just said. Like we're looking at okay, what's high performers and then we're looking at their behavior. A lot of times we just want to change behavior, but behavior is driven by thoughts, right? right? And uh, thoughts are driven by by feelings. And then he separates feelings from emotions. Okay. He calls them two separate things, right? Emotions is the en- en- energy in motion, right? That's the word actually split up. But emotions are is the energy coming together. So you can, and the mood, right? Dr. Lisa Fieldman Barrett has a lot from her book on emotions and, and the brain. But underneath emotions is your physiological reaction. That's why neurosomatic creativity is going to be so big. And that's why I love the fact that you had a a somatic doctor here running everyone through some practices to get their somatic connection Mm -hmm. in line with their brain and their mind. And so he's saying if leaders want to be in their tip top shape, they have to get their biofeedback in line, which feeds into their emotions and to their feelings. Feelings are just how you title them, right. right? You and I can be going on stage you and you may be excited like, yeah, and I be maybe nervous right. just because we use different titles of the same energy coming into our bodies. It changes how we respond to the event. So leaders who are more aware of this whole line and brain heart coherence, right? Keeping all, all that and like breathing. Breathing is so important. It we seems forget all the time. we forget. We do it. We have to do it. Yeah. Stay alive. But it is your top tool, yeah. right? To 100%. turn your prefrontal cortex back on to make good choices. So for good leaders, one, connecting with the body, mm-hmm. two, maybe having a different way of interacting with other people infusing a little bit of play. It doesn't have to be like every single meeting now we have some like a, a fidget spinner or something that is going to like play model clay that people can fidget with. Like I don't think that's what, what Well, there's different type, types of play uh-huh. and there's different types of social interaction. The work of Dr. Matthew Lieberman out of UCLA talks about the social brain, right? Our brains are built to, to connect and our brains are built for music, by the way. That's a whole other pod, podcast. Yes. <laughs> so any musicians out there, and if you're not a musician, try to start singing or, or a dance or something. Yeah. But 
because um, that's another part of my research, how the arts inform leadership. But we need to give people time to connect first. So but I, I went to, if there's any leaders, which you're all leaders out there because you are the CEO of you, but if are there any leaders out there who have direct reports, right? Give five, 10 minutes before you get, get to work. I have a, a image of just different pictures and like, hey, what, how do you feel right now? I feel like the iron because... So I'm sharing who, what I'm feeling or what I did the weekend or a funny way, a cool way of sharing a point. But I'm also using my creativity because a metaphorical connection is a creative tool. That's why I use the, dim- the diamond, right? And a lot of great speakers use metaphor to push their point. And so it's that, doing escape rooms, just playing small, quick games. And another reason why play is so important, because you get to see the essence of a person, Mm -hmm. how they respond to stress, to pressure, how they lead, how they communicate under pressure. Yes, you're playing a game, but it's going to be the same. It's kind of like money. Money just amplifies however the person is inside. If they were didn't have any money, they were still giving and caring. They'll probably be the same way if they have a lot of money. It just amplifies their essence. So play, amplify. This is the first time I've said it this way. This is good. I should write, should write yeah. this down. Um, I'll put you in my next okay. book. Change scriptures. <laughs> like, yeah. We can help with that. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, play amp- amplifies their essence and also highlights things that they should work on. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, so then as leaders and identifying that, should we be taking notes as far as like the curi- like the characteristics or traits of your team and how, mm-hmm. and maybe... There's books on that. Strength Finder. Well, I'm right, writing the next book. Okay. <laughs> yeah, of like how to complement one another and pull mm-hmm. out more creativity because ultimately that's what we need. We, there's so many big problems to solve and it's, mm-hmm. we can't get out of them by thinking the same way that got us into them. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And we use jazz. Okay. That's another thing I know. Uh, jazz like, yeah, no, I know. No. Jazz hands. No. <laughs> so there's a great book called something like uh, like Embrace the Mess or something, but he used the elements of jazz, okay. like Miles, Miles Davis jazz, Duke Ellington, right? Ella Fitzgerald, jazz as leadership, like a leadership protocol. So the beauty about Duke Ellington, which I studied him coming up and I taught music for 10 years when I was teaching is he could bring people together. And instead of making the trumpets all sound exactly the same, he would pinpoint their essence and bring out their own color. So he was bringing out the colors of his musicians in order to form a new sound. And that's why his work was so pivotal. Miles Davis as as well. And that's what prismatic leadership is, is about. And I'll be talking about that on stage at three is leaders need to operate under the seven gems of intercultural creativity, which are mindset, observation, curiosity, perspective shifting, and adaptation, right? That's a few of them. But how can I be observant to see where their strengths are, but also where their strengths are in different situations, Uh right? And sometimes they're not even aware of their own strengths. That's a good leader that you can pinpoint and put them in situations in education. We call it the zone of proximal development, right? Where it's not too stressful where they're spazzing out and just but it's not too easy where they can do it with their, eye, their eyes closed. Right. Right. So we do that with students, their zone of proximal development. But how can leaders do it with their team me- members to pull out their greatness that they may not even know about? I am learning so much. This is awesome. If people want to read your book, I'm like, and in any of the library, hopefully you're writing a library of books. I'm trying to. Yes. <laughs> where can they go to follow you or follow your body of work? 
Sure, sure. Well, I'm very active on social, mostly on LinkedIn. So I do share a lot of the new research coming out and the research that's already out there from other thought leaders. And then I just incorporate it into what I'm trying to do. And G-E-N-E-I-N, Janine Letford, L-E-T-F-O-R-D. My company's Cafe Strategy. So we do a lot of corp- corporate training and then we do work in K-12 education as well because I'm an educator by, by trade. So might as well stay in ed- education. But what I'm feeling is we need to make sure our kids are set up coming into the work- workforce, but I need to get adults back to their childlike imagination okay. and curiosity levels. So sometimes Frederick Douglass said it, it's easier to build strong children than repair adults who need that. And it is because you're dealing with a lot of things, structures that are already there. Yeah, understood. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing and for your time today. This has been fantastic. Well, hit like a girl, yeah. right? Might as well just do it. Yeah, Go for that's it. Right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle hit like a girl pod. Thanks again. See you soon. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. I am truly grateful for you, and I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast, or maybe leave us a rating or review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All those things help us podcasters out so much. I'm the show's host, Joy Rios, and I'll see you next time.